Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. All right, welcome back to yet another fantastic and fun episode of Wisconsin Drunken History your weekly dose of the Dairy State. As always, we are your hosts, Eric. And I'm Russ. We are excited to be back in the studio. It's been a couple weeks since we, uh, we we typically do this where we take, you know, a week or two off. We record a couple episodes at a time. So uh, just to give us a little bit of break, make sure we're still hanging out with our families and um, able to uh, complete other projects as well. So we're back and, and we're we couldn't be more excited. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for uh, listening and for supporting. Uh, we couldn't be uh, any more grateful at this point. Uh, we're, we're really shocked that we have as many of you uh, hooked as we as we have. I don't know if you noticed, too, we got a new listener in uh, Brussels, Belgium, which is pretty hey, awesome. Brussels. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Brussels, muscle, Russell. Yo, Russellmania. Also wanted to give a, a quick shout out to uh, our friends over at Double Coverage Radio. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. That's where I would suggest reaching out to them or discovering them. They do some really cool in-depth uh, talk about Wisconsin sports. They recently had uh, retired kicker Chris Jackie from the Packers uh, from the Super Bowl team in 96, Super Bowl 31. Uh, they had him on. Uh, and they do a lot of uh, chalk talk with some of the guys, the X's and O's of uh, of the the high school sports, uh, high school football coaches rather from around the state of Wisconsin. Uh, so those are our buddies over at Double Coverage Radio, Travis and Dave. Those guys are awesome. Uh, I definitely urge you to go out there and support what they do because they are also uh, sort of an independent setup as well. So today's episode. We will uh, feature another edition of How Many Loco You At. We will also feature another edition of This Day in Wisco History. We have another beer review for you. And we have another special guest interview. And we have great music from Milwaukee's own Mini Meltdowns. How about a little housekeeping uh, and announcements before we jump in? What do you say? Yeah, that definitely sounds good to me. So... Uh, we are continuously working uh, behind the scenes at all times, trying to uh, gather some uh, new interviews and some uh, really good partners as well uh, and do some new collaborations. So we, we have a lot in the works right now, uh, names and, and stuff we can't necessarily say yet, but exciting, exciting stuff. Um, we also have uh, a pretty exciting announcement about our first ever giveaway. Sweet. I'm excited. Dude, this is huge, right? So we are going to try this out uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, actually, at the very end of the show, uh, we're going to give you all the details, uh, explain exactly how to enter, uh, how you become uh, eligible. So uh, you'll be in the know for sure. So let's go ahead and move on to our uh, main story today, which is Les Paul, the Wizard of Waukesha. So for those of you that don't know, Les Paul, uh, probably most notably known for his name on a lot of Gibson guitars. Yeah, and actually the um, Discovery World in Milwaukee has a really great, like, um, you can see all the old guitars, some yeah. of the ones that he helped create. I mean, he is the father of the modern electric guitar, in my opinion. That's what people say. We'll, 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 uh, we'll explore that here down the line in a, in a couple of sentences, but I'll, uh, I'll be honest, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, he, he helped. So Les Paul was born 
on uh, June 9th, 1915 in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, he was born with the name Lester Pulsfus, obviously better known as uh, Les Paul to the rest of us. Les Paul began learning music at a young age, but like most early musicians, he wasn't very great. And by at least one account, his mother was told, your boy will never learn music. Les was seemingly unfazed by all of this harsh feedback, uh, and he went on to teach himself harmonica, guitar, and banjo. Uh, By the time Les was a teen, he began playing in country bands around the Midwest and even played live on St. Louis radio stations with his hillbilly persona, Rhubarb Red. Along with a deep passion for playing instruments came the desire to modify the instruments. Uh, at the age of nine, he built his first crystal radio. Russ, why don't you give us a little example of what that is? Yeah, so a crystal radio is a very simple radio. There's not a lot of components to it, and it does not require external power to run. Um, it features, you know, some simple stuff as an antenna, a coil of wire, a capacitor, and where it gets its name is the uh, crystal detector. Um, this crystal they use to make out of, like, materials such as galena and other uh, crystal Okay. type materials just anything that can yeah. um basically have some ele- uh, electric capacity to it mm-hmm. and uh it puts out such a low input that you need like a special headphones to hear it got it yeah so it's just a really low res probably the easiest form of radio you can make i mean it's literally a coil antenna so definitely crystal. a fun a fun little science project for you and the kids if you if you want to work on something or even if you're just a uh, kind of an amateur, you know, science, you know, fan, go ahead. I mean, try it out. There's plenty of, uh, uh, instructional videos, uh, and, and, you know, equipment needed for, for this right online. You just Google crystal radio. So at the age of 10, Les built a harmonica holder from a wire coat hanger. Uh, this is so that way he could, uh, play the guitar and sing, but also have the harmonica around his neck so that way he could just continuously play and have the harmonica there to accompany himself. Uh, and a lot of the ones uh, built today use the exact same uh, um, design, a uh, very similar concept to the wire coat hanger that he did when he was 10 years old. Um, in 1941, Les Paul began work on what would eventually be known as the solid body electric guitar. Uh, it would. He would later build a prototype that would be dubbed the Log. Uh, as a consummate per- perfectionist, uh, Les began tooling uh, with ideas and um, it just constantly was thinking about ways to improve the common amplified guitar at the time. Uh, he took a 4x4 piece of pine wood, attached a Gibson neck, some crudely fashioned pickups, a bridge, and a vibrato tailpiece, strung it with some steel guitar strings, and voila, the log was born. So basically it was like a road tie as well. I mean, there was like a railroad tie basically built into it um, to, to really become the, the first iterations that we know of of the uh, more, uh, more traditional solid body electric guitar and i was lucky enough so if you go to discovery world like i said they have a really cool thing and i don't know if it's the actual one or if it's a replica but they do have one so you can actually see what it looks like and it's crude but it's pretty neat that yeah and he so he made um if you if you go to google and you type in a gibson es335 you'll see that the the log looks really similar to an es335 in the in the sense that he strung a, a a solid piece of pine wood in the middle, and then he made these caps for the top and bottom that looked very similar to these hollow body, uh, semi-hollow body guitars that are made these days. Now, the reason for that is he just wanted it to look like a guitar. Otherwise, it just looked like a 4 by 4 piece of board with a neck and, and some strings on it. So this was really just to give the... Uh, the, the appearance of a normal guitar. He ran some of the, the input um, for the, uh, for the input jack through there. So you hid some wiring in there, but really the only, the only, you know, reason for the cap on the top and bottom was to make it look normal. So uh, this was kind of like the first iteration of a solid body electric guitar. So Les Paul pitched this prototype to Gibson in 1941, but, a lot of hesitation. Gibson just turned the idea down. 
and just over 10 years later, and another guitar manufacturer, Leo Fender, producing the first solid body electric guitar. That's what it took for Gibson to hire Les Paul finally and begin the development of, you know, the Les Paul, uh, you know, Gibson electric guitar. So uh, Gibson wasn't really fully convinced at that point about branding the, the, the guitar as a Gibson. Uh, they had a, a fantastic name at the time uh, as acoustic instrument makers, uh, and they had some of the electric guitars that were um, like basically an acoustic with a pickup stuck in the sound hole. So at this time, that was your your amplified item. You, you didn't have the solid body like we see today. So uh, they weren't convinced, so they made Les Paul agree to put his name on it. So essentially just said, hey, gentlemen's agreement, uh, let's just call this thing the Les Paul. Yeah, and that's the one I know. So <laughs> exactly. That's crazy. So uh, Gibson actually uh, came to their, their senses, eventually mustered up enough courage to say, uh, we will call this the Gibson Les Paul, um, which finally made its debut in 1952. Also in the 1940s, Les Paul was completely unhappy with the sound of his recordings and complained that he didn't sound any different from any other artist on the radio, which this came because uh, uh, his mom, Les's mom said, hey, that record out on the radio sounds really good. I can't believe that's you. And it wasn't Les. It was some other, you know, bluegrass uh, blues artist at the time. So Les was completely in his head game now, where he was thinking, how, how is anybody supposed to be able to tell by the first few notes that this is officially Les Paul? You know, and not just some other country and blues artist. So he began tooling and designing, as he always does. Uh, he worked primarily in private uh, on, on all these ideas uh, until a recording session with his good friend Bing Crosby where uh, Crosby suggested Les Paul build his own studio so he could get the sound that he wanted. So Les did just that. He set up his first studio right in his own home slash garage, uh, where he would uh, eventually begin experimenting with a bunch of microphone placements, track speeds, uh, and recording overdubs, which are all incredibly new ideas at this time. Russ and I tool with this stuff on a daily basis, different microphones for different things, pulling them away from the source of sound, putting them closer, off access, on access, uh, directly outside of the cone, um, in, this, in the drum sound hole, outside of the drum sound. We do this all the time. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, like you said, the overdub is a new concept where you have Very. vocal over vocal so you can get more of a wide range. It sounds like this, it's a bigger sound. Yeah. You can get guitar overlaps. You have the one rhythm, but then you can get that lead part over it that makes it sound completely new. Well, and just so many, so many versions of the things that we record as uh, demos, these things we don't re release or anything, but a lot of the demos, the early stuff that we just need to jot ideas down is for us to to record bits and pieces and then to be like, okay, so that's the rhythm section. Now I need to figure out in my head, I'm singing this rhythm or, you know, this, uh, uh, this extra guitar piece that I'm thinking of while I'm playing the rhythm piece. Let me go ahead and put that over the top. So for Russ and I, this, this idea of overdubbing, we've been doing it since we were, you know, right. first introduced to recording music, not, creating it you know so this is insane that les paul in the 40s is coming up with these so, you know universal uh amazing ideas that we all have and so here's how old i am like i'm not i obviously not that old but i started recording and the first recording prop program i ended up using was called acid rock look it up yeah. it is archaic yeah. But that's how I first started learning about overdubbing and like doing backup vocals for yourself, you know, doing a higher and lower pitch to get like a more full sound. But I mean, even before that, Russ, we were recording on a, a tape recorder. Oh, yeah. Overdubbing that you would normally on, and see. bouncing down and then doing it again and well, bouncing down. Multiple, just... multiple tape recorders in the same room. Uh, your, your tape player uh, as your stereo. You can. So once you record the first little piece, you put that tape into the into the, the record player, into the tape player, rather, 
it's playing when you hit record on the new tape in the in the tape recorder. So you got that playing in the background, and then you got your guitar in front of the other tape recorder. It's just like a thing. Like we, yeah. this is what we grew up on, man. Yeah. And then you eventually have to utilize uh, the the same tape over. So you have to you put a piece of tape, a scotch tape, over the the little corner. I yeah. remember that. Amazing stuff, man. So he set up his own studio right in his own home and garage. He started really experimenting with all these ideas, and then uh, his methods eventually resulted in. Uh, a clarity that was previously unheard in any type of uh, multi-track recording. So uh, completely revolutionary in that idea. So in 1959, um, Crosby gave him one of the first Ampex model 200A reel-to-reel tape recorders. So Bing Crosby, a great friend of his, ends up gifting him you know, one of these reel-to-reel recorders that is absolutely fantastic at the time this is top of the notch uh technology uh so in early multi-track recordings they were made with acetate discs and you would record a track to that disc and then do exactly what russ and i were just explaining you would record yourself playing another part while the other track on that other disc plays in the background so that's how you're getting that that ability to uh overdub he built uh, the multi-track recording with overlaid tracks rather than paralleled ones, which he would do later. Uh, by the time he had a result that satisfied him, he would have discarded some 500 acetate recording discs. Wow. That's insane. I mean, like I remember seeing a documentary about the Beatles when they had this and, uh, you know, you only had a one take. Yes. You know, that's if you mess that up, you're done. Buddy Holly, same thing, the Buddy Holly story. Yep. You, he, he, like, messes up because he, like, sees that one girl and he stops singing. Yep. You know, it's the same thing. Like, that's garbage now. That's in the trash, Yeah. basically. So, in fact, here, this, this next part will get you. He actually built a disc cutter assembly based on automobile parts. So he favored the flywheel from a Cadillac for its weight and its flatness. Um, so he's just a revolutionary. I mean, he's just an engineer through and through. Um, he used the acetate disc setup to record parts at different speeds and with delay, resulting in his signature sound with echoes and birdsong-like guitar riffs. I mean, it, check out high, How High the Moon and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Um, all of it's right there. So uh, when he used the magnetic tape, he would uh, take the recording equipment on tour with him uh, and he could make uh, episodes for his 15-minute radio show uh, right in his own hotel room, which is crazy to think. Yeah. Um, he worked with Ross Snyder on the design of the first eight-track recording uh, deck, which was built uh, for him by Ampex, same company that uh, was basically making all of the reel-to-reel machines back then. So Les Paul also invented a thing called sound-on-sound -sound recording. Uh, using uh, the machine, uh, basically he would take a normal reel-to-reel -reel machine and he would place an additional playback head located right before the conventional erase slash record slash playback head. Um, this allowed Paul to play along with a previously recorded track, both of which were mixed together onto a new track. So this is that parallel recording that we were talking about before. So... Uh, Basically, what would end up happening is uh, it's a mono tape, uh, so with just one track across the entire width of the tape. Uh, what would end up happening is this is a, a considered a, a recording or a destructive recording method because once you record over it, it records over it permanently. The original recording is no longer there. Uh, so he eventually enhanced this by using one tape machine to play back the original recording and a second to record the combined track. So this preserved the original recording, unlike that original one, which is considered destructive. So in 1952, he also invented the flange effect, which if you play guitar, you know exactly what we're oh, talking yeah. about. If you listen to music, you might know what we're talking about. The flange effect is used a ton in today's... Uh, pop punk music, uh, the grunge music uh, used flange quite a bit as well uh, as uh, really heavy distortion. But the flange was always in that in that pedal loop because what it does 
is it it phases uh, sound in and out uh, in harmonic tone. So the the key there is it's in harmonic tone. Right. So there's a there's a like little linked diode in there or whatever that as the signal goes through the pedal and then back through to the amp, it will phase it in a in a very specific wave in and out of harmonic tone. It's amazing. Um and and honestly, this just barely scratches the surface of all of the amazing and wonderful history that Les Paul uh, has brought us. And, and I would encourage everyone to visit lespaulfoundation.org, uh, his exhibits at Discovery World, like we've said, and also the uh, Waukesha County Museum. Uh, it's, it's absolutely incredible how uh, th- this one man so significantly advanced uh, the world of, of modern music and recording arts. Yeah, and I was lucky enough, you know, I'm a huge Les Paul fan, so I went to Waukesha, to the original bar where him and uh, Mary Kay actually started. Mm -hmm. Like, it was him and her, or Mary Ford, I'm sorry, not Mary, Mary Kay. Yeah, Mary Kay. Well, Mary Ford. Mary Ford, which, that wasn't even her real name. No, not at all, but yeah, we visited the uh, old bar, and it's still there in Waukesha, and uh, it's actually a really neat place. There's, like, old photos on the wall of him playing there. It's just such a really cool, interesting place. And, uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend checking that out as well. Yeah, and, and, and his his longtime wife uh, was Mary Ford. That was her stage name that Les Paul actually developed. He came up with Mary Ford. Um, her, her birth name was Iris Colleen Summers. Uh, she went by Colleen Summers more so than Iris. Uh, but it's it just an incredible story of... Uh, one person just absolutely, uh, just so, so steadfast on his idea that he was going to be a musical artist and just didn't listen to any outside, uh, criticism that said, Nope, you'll never be there. The doubters just completely unfazed him. Uh, and, and to be fair, I mean, without, without him and without his inventions, I don't know when these things would have come. You know that they would have. Yeah. Somebody would have invented these, but just when would they have happened? Right. You know, we probably wouldn't have had the amazing uh, recording artists of the fifties and sixties without any of this, uh, um, without any of this technology and without any of his ideas being brought to, uh, to life. And, and, you know, the, the fact that, you know, Leo Fender, came out with the broadcaster before the 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 Gibson Les Paul wasn't f- for any other reason than Leo Fender knew about Gibson or uh, uh, knew about Le- uh, Les Paul's idea. I mean, I'm not saying that Leo stole it, but I'm saying Leo you know what? He just had the ability to to be the luthier, to be the electronics guy and to be, you know, the 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 person that marketed the idea yeah and i mean honestly like all inventions are built off the shoulders of somebody else who came before you so you're all you're doing is improving the idea and really like you said gibson didn't want to take it on and leo fender heard about this idea i yeah. mean it's it's obvious you they know? were all friends too right it's not like they they didn't know each other uh they're all guitar players at the time and leo is uh i mean a revolutionary himself the the solid body guitar wouldn't have have been quite what it was without a lot of his ingenuity as well. Right, so, I know I know you're a Fender guy too. Obviously, my favorite's I mean, the Telecaster. I, I play that sucker all the time. So I love Fender so much. I put it on my body. Yeah, right. Uh, Fender is is just a, an institution when it comes to their guitars. Now, have I owned Les Pauls? Yes, numerous of them. Do I have you know a a, a Gibson three three five in my collection? Yes, I do, but I also have some of Fender's finest, and I have owned a million Fenders in my lifetime. That you know they just they have a different sound to them. I love them all. Uh, guitars in general, it's crazy because you'll have that 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 criticism where people will be like, "Well, why do you have so many guitars?" Russ, you can absolutely attest to this as well. They all sound different. Right. And it, like when you're tracking, you want to have a different sounding guitar. And even if you put effects on it, you can still tell it's from the same guitar. It's right. just like the tonal out of the guitar. And it's just the, the difference in the pickups. 
that right. you know you've got single coils you've got p90 single coils you've got humbuckers you've got high output humbuckers right there's just so many different things that exist uh you know set necks versus bolt-ons i mean there's just a lot of variation that a lot of people don't necessarily know because they just see strings going across uh, and, and a guy playing it. So, right. but it, they're all entirely different. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, the only thing I don't like about Fender, it's, it's pretty unforgiving guitar because it's enough like you a have... sus- high sustain. So you have to be pretty accurate. Yeah. Where with the Les Paul, you got the high sustain with the humbucker. So like, you know, you play a chord and it really will, it'll go out. Yeah. You know, if, if you don't have like an effect on the, on the Leo and you're going straight in, you know, the Fender and you're going straight in, you're going to hear any mistakes you make. Yeah. Like right off the bat, if you're off a note, just a hair. Well, and that's why a lot of artists will use reverb in order to sort of bury their, well, reverb and distortion, but reverb is, is an easy way to kind of hide mistakes because it yeah. does, it almost immediately, uh, hides it, 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 um, how do I want to say that? It sort of just covers up immediately the signal coming through. So, the, the signal hitting the amplifier from the guitar is almost immediately affected by that kind of hall reverb, that openness. It just like sends it through and puts it into like, you know, a church cathedral. Yeah, for sure. So it, it kind of masks and stuff uh, immediately. But yeah, it's just another example of just a really interesting person from Wisconsin. You know, yeah. like we have a lot of really cool history here. Absolutely and- couldn't be uh, more more excited to have you know, the, the father of modern music to be right here, right oh, in yeah. Waukesha. I'm in Waukesha County for crying out loud. This is awesome. So that, uh, that will conclude today's main segment. Again, that was Les Paul, Wizard of Waukesha. We encourage you to go check out anything you can to do with this man. All right, on to another Wisconsin music segment. Today I am really excited to... Uh, basically introduce uh, our, our, our music segment because this, uh, this stuff is amazing. Uh, I've seen uh, this particular band live at their album release or their EP release right here in Milwaukee. Uh, but this guy uh, is absolutely fantastic. His name is John Phillip. Uh, so in, in late 2017, uh, John Phillip, Uh, is the uh, co-founder of Goodland Records, by the way. He started a punk band called Mini Meltdowns. It features himself and Scott Schoenbeck. You might recognize that name from Dashboard Confessional or Promise Ring, another really great Milwaukee band. Uh, John handles the uh, guitar, vocal, and drumming duties on all these tracks. Um, and, And John is no stranger to great music. Uh, along you know with being Goodland Records and all the great bands that they have there, uh, John has been in uh, many successful, amazing bands, uh, including the Benjamins, Limbeck, the Obsoletes, Trapper Shep in the Shades, uh, and of course today's feature, Mini Meltdowns. Um, I remember one really neat story, uh, just to kind of you know say before we get into the music. Uh, my wife and I ran into John at the. Uh, uh, it was kind of like a surprise show uh, Neil Young put on at the Riverside last year. And we ran into him and it, he, I, I remember very vividly. He was like, aren't you guys just loving this right now? Like I'm crying. It is so like spiritual. And, Andrea and I, she's not a huge fan of, of some of that more classic stuff. It's just not something she's listened to. But for me, hearing Neil Young play you know, like Harvest Moon and, uh, I mean, Ohio, uh, just, oh, stupid good. My mind was just blown. It's just him on the stage. And he's like, it's like you had a ticket to his practice space because he just put all of his instruments around him. And he just meandered. Uh, whatever instrument he, you know, thought called his name was what he grabbed, and then he started playing a song that he plays on that particular piece. And uh, John was just an amazing, uh, an amazing find at that at that concert because he had that same kind of vision as I did, where uh, we were just blown away. 
Yeah, and I knew Scott Schoenbeck, obviously, from uh, Alligator Gun, when, yeah. like, the pop punk scene in the 90s, may, like, maybe late 90s, mid 90s, when pop punk was kind of taken off. Big, and, yeah, huge. And actually, I, I, I talked to him um, at one of my brother's shows, Monty. Um, he was in Subside, which is like a Milwaukee based pop punk yep. band. And uh, yeah, he's just a really cool guy. We played a show at Cactus Club and I got to sit down with him and uh, John Furley from that area. They're really cool yep. guys, both of them, and uh, kind of became friends, talked to him a little bit. I, I thought it was really cool using Dashboard because obviously I was a huge Dashboard fan. Of course, right? So that was just kind of a cool thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, honestly, without, without any further ado, uh, we want to give you uh, Mini Meltdowns, I Want to Die. Bye. Everybody, that was Mini Meltdowns with I Want to Die. The uh, the band themselves, they have a, a Facebook page. They have all their music out on Apple, Spotify. You can stream it just about anywhere. Uh, be sure to check out and support all that stuff. Be sure to also support uh, Goodland Records. Go to their website and uh, check out all of the different artists that are on that uh, label. Uh, really awesome stuff. I encourage uh, everybody to take a peek. It is uh, amazing. So uh, we have another beer review segment. Yeah, today we got a really good one from uh, Next Door Brewing Company. It is the Laser Ray American Pale Ale. Pretty good brew. Um, it's 5.8% ABV, obviously an American Pale Ale from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, yeah, let's uh, get the initial first taste you're getting out of this thing. Yeah, it's it's bitter. Um, it's it's wet. You know, um, it's it definitely has the bitterness, but uh, doesn't have the bite. And uh, the five percent, the five point eight is uh, kind of nice because you can actually sip on that thing a little bit. You know, yeah. And it's not gonna wreck you. Um, the artwork is really cool. So originally, when I first saw this, I was telling Eric, I thought it was a carbon four because the artwork is really cool. It's like this hop alien with three eyes with a laser gun on it. It's pretty neat. Um, the can's really colorful. Um, it's really good. It's, uh, yeah, just a really great beer. And um, if you haven't checked these guys out, they're in Madison, Wisconsin, called uh, Next Door Brewing Company. Um, just a really great brewery, great place to check out. And it's, I mean, it's not an overly, the initial thing that I got out of it was that it was bitter. But now that I'm, I've had a, a chance to let it rest for a second, it also almost gave me like a blueberry yeah, feel to it. Yeah, a little bit, and it has a like a really smooth back finish. And you're right; I'm kind of getting like some blueberry notes. Now that's kind of sitting in the throat. That's it's, the thing is, once it sits, it's like this uh, blueberry. Um, 
it definitely doesn't have a whole lot of citrus. They, I mean, they brand it as a crisp, citrusy, you know, refreshing pale ale. Um, but I, I'm really grabbing the, uh, the 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 blueberryness almost of it and the bitterness first. Uh, it is dry hopped with mosaic, um, so th- mild bitterness is what you're going to get out of that. But um, that's t- bigger hop aromas. So you're gonna you're gonna grab that on the on the kind of the, the smell and a little bit of the front notes, but it's not super bitter sitting. Uh, but blueberry, yeah, is that weird. I, I'm getting a little hint of blueberry myself, and uh, you know I'm I'm really familiar with mosaic and uh, citra hops, so I knew there was mosaic. A lot. Yeah, I knew there was mosaic, and there you can definitely taste that up front, which is like a really good hop, one of my favorites. I love uh, the Galaxy Citra and the um, Mosaic Hop are probably my three favorites to use yeah. if you're making a pale ale or uh, IPA. I love those. they're just a really good combination. I ate a Mosaic Hop one time. You yeah, had you, did. you had fresh ones from uh, Mr. Rideout. Mr. Rideout, our teacher who uh, um, he he's the fantastic English teacher. Yeah, a really good guy, and uh, it's funny because we were joking about. It. I'm like, you're one of the first cannabis growers because hops is actually from the cannabis. It's from the cannabis the cannabis family. Family, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, or what do they call that? A kingdom? Or uh, what are they? Uh, f- it, it would be considered the class, I believe, which is yeah. um, Cannabaceae, mm-hmm. I think is how you say it. I'm not very good at Latin, and I struggle. I took plant tax. I'm barely good at English. So. I, yeah, I, I struggle at plant taxonomy, so I'm not always I struggle 100%. with math. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And gym class. But I always laugh. Uh, do you, have you, you've been on Lakefront Brewing Tour, and uh, I know they always make the cannabis joke about yeah. the hops. And, I always and I'm always. i not sure if you and I have been on that one together, but I know I went with uh, my friend Jesse and... Uh, Maybe a few other people, uh, but yeah, that one is as we've mentioned a few dozen times on this uh, podcast. Uh, Lakefront is one of them that you just have like to go the, on. One of the top. It's and just fun. Actually, these guys Russ, have a really. We cool... actually we had a, a um, we had Russ Klish, the owner of Lakefront. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, for some reason, that day they were they were you know short on on uh, tour guides or whatever, and Russ Klish gave ours. Uh, Jesse and I had a an amazing talk with him afterward when you get into that little tasting room. And, uh, I actually, I, I mentioned you, I said, my friend Russ, sorry, would, uh, we're, we're in talks right now of trying to do like a brew pub in Madison where we do, uh, you know, we would brew probably like our, our staple, like three or four recipes that we like. And then we would do like pilot batches, uh, to bring people in, you know, that, that maybe wouldn't necessarily visit us as much. But the big thing was, I said, you know, for our spent grains, you know, a lot of people tend to donate those to local farms. I said, we would probably do uh, a spent grain uh, bakery. Yeah. The cookies, I, Rachel, I Rachel made cookies. Made, yeah. And they're great. Exactly. And that's what I told him. And he was just like, damn, I think I got to, I'm going to look into it. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. And then he also offered to be, uh, a supporter of the, yeah. the between the lakes is what we were going to call the the brew pub in, in Madison. But um, he was like, I'm always looking for new investment opportunities. Yeah. And it would have been a huge one too. Cause uh, Rachel's a really great cook. She's my girlfriend and uh, she's amazing. Um, and the cookies- she is, she's got a mind for ingredients. She can take um, vegan and vegetarian stuff and whip it up into something that has got more flavor than I've had with uh, any more conventional uh, meat dish. It's amazing. And yeah. then not, not to mention those spent grain cookies. Those were, mmm. Yeah, they're awesome. And, you know, the one cool thing about Lakefront, our buddies from school, Kenny Gerberich and uh, Nate Burlington, had their My Turn series. So they both had their own beer from Lakefront yeah. for a short time, which I always thought was really Evan, cool. Evan Kepnick from Delavan yeah, works right. there. Uh, and then also there's another uh, guy from uh, Delavan as well that I know that works there. Uh, and then... Um, did you mention uh, Evan Townsend? No, you just Evan yeah, Townsend. Yeah, yeah Evan oh, Townsend and Evan Kepnick. So Evan Kep- Oh wow, yeah. both Evans. And yeah, yeah, but another like if you do get a chance, the uh, next door brewing company is pretty nice too. It's a uh, it's kind of a more modern facility in Madison. I think it goes well with the clientele of that area. Yeah, Madison's a little more upscale, you and know. I and I think they do a really good job like hitting that audience. You know, I don't think I've been to uh, uh, next door brewing company, but. We visited at we've least been, one we've or been two. We've been quite to a few. Four, I think but... we might have been the one barrel in Carbon Four, and uh, I remember that because and uh, the other one outside of Madison, uh, 
Oh yeah, uh, Capital. Capital. Capital Brewing. And yeah, the one thing we There's we also another one outside that we've been to as well. Now that I'm thinking about it, NBC. Oh yeah, yep. And the, you know the one thing we we're trying to dispel the rumors because we love the movie Drive. With yes. it's just a good movie. Ryan Gosling, awesome yep. movie. And uh, they have a lot of beers named after things in the in the movie. They have Night Drive. It's Carbon Four, right? Yep. Yeah. They have Night Drive, and I think they have something Scorpion, which is in reference to this like sweet jacket that he wears. It's like this like yeah. silk with a gold scorpion on the back. One of the coolest jackets. I was actually just talking to Mike about that yesterday, about the not only the jacket but the cool Carbon Four sign. Yeah. Oh. That's a story we'll have to tell at some point. You guys have got to hear this one. It's a yeah. good story. I think we have a few more years before we're, uh, um, what what do they call that when it's uh, <laughs> yeah not liable yeah, anymore? Because <laughs> yeah, it's a it's we're a not story. out of the woods yet. Yeah, let's just hold but. that one for a, uh maybe next season or you know let's yeah. let's wait on that one. Yeah, if we if we decide to make this thing into one season, two season, uh, but. It'll definitely be probably next uh, next fall. It's a story we, we got to tell you guys, and you guys are going to laugh. Um, but, yeah, please check this one out. Laser um, Ray is amazing. I love really this beer. It's really good. I really do. I think the the, the dry hop uh, of the mosaic plus whatever we're getting with this blueberry, uh, it really makes it and – and it's, and it's uh, a decent ABV. It's 5.8. Right. You're not going to get trashed, and you got that bitterness like an IPA right. too. This you is, know, it's great. This is a little above your, your same, you know, domestics that you get, you know, your mainstays. So – Amazing. Uh, Laser Ray from uh, Next Door Brewing Company. Check it out. Hey, we have another How Many Local You At? Yeah, and do we got a great one for you today. This one's a little bit special right here. Uh, probably one of the, the best ones we've ever had. So a Wisconsin woman called the emergency services to report a drunk driver. Now, this is uh, amazing of her because, as we all know, we've probably been behind somebody or seen somebody driving who appears to be under the influence. And we've all wanted to call and report these people, but some of us don't. So amazing on her. However, this 49-year-old woman was driving between Nielsville and Granton in Wisconsin after an evening of overindulgence when she decided to dial 911 and report herself for under the influence driving. Yeah, it's so good. It's uh she said somebody's really drunk driving down Granton Road. Um and the dispatcher's like, "Are you behind them?" She says, "No, I am them. I am the liquor." Oh my god, this is unbelievable. So, uh police arrived to find the woman slurring your words, swaying from side to side and unable to perform any sobriety test. Uh the, the test would later show uh, that she had a blood alcohol level of about double the legal limit, if not just a little. Oh, higher. my God. Um, wow. Yeah, this is uh, an let's, interesting one. <laughs> let's let's somehow dive into this. I, you know, I don't think she's quite to the uh, last episode with the, uh, the the full sixer, but I think yeah. she might be, uh, you know, four cans of loco. So, you know, what what is that? A, a, you got a fucking 16, 16 loco. Is She's, that what you're thinking? See, I was thinking four cans, sixteen. Local? I was thinking somewhere between twelve and sixteen. I don't okay. think she's quite sixteen. I think twelve's probably that 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 limit right there. Where you she's, know, and she is female, so like obviously, like I'm not even being sexist here, but like obviously, just the uh, tolerance level, you know. Right, and a local, right. two locals drop me, and I'm a hundred and ninety pound man, yeah. you know, and two locals will take me down. I would say, I would say that. Uh, being a, a larger specimen myself here, uh, I've had, you know, four locos at least, you know, yeah, so it's... I've been at the 20, the 16 to 20 loco mark in my lifetime, you know, back when I thought it was cool to, to just consume as much, a, a, as much as you possibly could. Yeah. Uh, now that was also back when four loco was a, uh, like a hot commodity. It yeah. had just been released. We, you know, we knew little about it and it's uh molecular uh um but it, it, honestly this lady is uh yeah so do you want to go in between there 12 to 14 like you three go 14 local go 14. This, we'll go with the 14 local with Four this and one. A half. but Jeez. yeah just nuts to like i'm drunk driving help I me like am the liquor, liquor. but just yeah. insanity i mean I've been to the point where like I need to get off the road and you know, I I turned around a couple of times to go back sure. to a buddy's house. Yeah. 
Like, but you I'm pull not out gonna... of their driveway and you realize, well, this isn't going well, so I'm just going to put this right back in their driveway. Yeah. And I'm just going to sleep this baby off. Knock the door and be like, I'm going to sleep in my backseat for a couple hours. And, uh, yeah. you know, if you're to the point where you're like, I need to call the cops on myself. I remember being at uh, Whitewater University, uh, probably 18, 19 years old. Uh, I was visiting a bunch of friends there. Ended up getting way too intoxicated. I couldn't sleep in his dorm room because there was a few people from out of town from his roommate. So that just wasn't an option. And I tried to sleep in the uh, each dorm floor has like their own little study room. But apparently that's another thing that could get them in trouble. The RAs would find out and not good. Hey, there's a drunk guy sleeping in our study room. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was like, here's what I'll do. He's like, I'll take your car key. But I'll give you your the fob to open just the the remote. I said, yeah, that's probably a decent idea. And so I was able to remote into my car and I had a nice big Explorer at the time. So I slept in the back in the trunk, like all the way in the back. And uh, I still had the fob on me. And all of a sudden a cop comes and is knocking on the window he doesn't realize I'm in there, but he's knocking on the window just to see, you know, what's up. And then he just ends up writing a, a parking ticket. Cause I was parked on a spot that you can't park overnight. Nothing ever happened of it. I mean, I paid, you know, the little $20, you know, university police, whatever, but wow. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's better than the DUI. This would have been, this, this should have been this person's go-to. She called herself. I know she's I- in, she's a narc. She's a rat. She's dude. a narc on herself. She snitched herself out. <laughs> Jeez. And at the point she was still safe, she could have just pulled over, slept her off in a ditch, and just gotten out of there. But yeah. no, instead of just pulling over, <laughs> she was like, I better get officially pulled over. Better yeah. call state troopers here. Yeah, officers, I'm not doing so good here. I'm a little drunk. Uh, yeah, yeah, I need you to come get me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, I wanted to call to report this drunk driver. Uh, who is it? Uh, it's me also. Uh, so could you get here? <laughs> Man. That's messed up. All right. I'm here with Julie, the marketing director from Point Brewery, and we are really happy to have you guys on. You're one of our major breweries here in Wisconsin. Um, Julie, can you give us a little history about the brewery? Well, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I can give you a little history. Uh, the brewery was founded back in 1857 by two German immigrants, and it was a heavily German-settled area here in um, central Wisconsin. And uh, we've been brewing beer ever since. Um, we've, we were family-owned right up until 1992, and then we were purchased by a Chicago company called Barton Beers. Um, then Barton Beers sold to our current owners in 2002, um, and we're just uh, Wisconsin-owned again. And... Uh, Jim Wickman and Joe Martino own the brewery now. And, uh, yeah, so still brewing beer and hard ciders and now even a hard tea. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to see. I know you guys have really boosted the marketing. I know there's been more beers. Obviously, I'm familiar with the Point Special. My uh, grandparents always drank that. It was kind of a, a normal beer, and especially up north Wisconsin. Definitely, yes. Um, Point Special has kind of been a staple in Wisconsin history. It's it's uh, one of those beers that you know you can talk about with your your grandpa, great grandpa, and they can all remember some sort of memory. It would be college or something that they can remember. Point special being a part of their youth somehow. <laughs> it, it wasn't definitely my first beer, but I remember my uh, my grandpa having a fridge full of it, and uh, I, I was I was a you know an angsty teen, and I remember grabbing one of those out of the fridge and uh, drinking one of them. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm sure you're not alone, especially, you know, having um, UWSP here in Stevens Point. There's a lot of people that have their ties to the brewery um, from going to school here. Great school. Awesome. And, yeah, I was going to ask you, too, I know with COVID, things have been very difficult. Um, Do you guys still doing any events at the brewery currently, any tours or anything? No, unfortunately, that was all, everything was halted for that. Uh, We... We, don't, we have a curbside pickup for beer and any kind of merchandise out of the gift shop right now. Um, but, yeah, we've stopped doing tours. Um, we just canceled our Pointtoberfest, which was our September event. 
which we were real bummed, but there was really no way that we could have it. Um, but we're looking forward to possibly having two events next year, um, which, which we're thinking of hopefully maybe a block party or something in May. Uh, it depends how much we can celebrate, I guess. And we're hoping that, you know, once this is all over with, people are going to be in a mood, get together, and, and have some fun. And what better place to have that is just right at the brewery. Oh, for sure. And I know the one beer I got to ask if you're going to come out with, the uh, Pistachio Nut Brown. Is that coming out again this year? Yes. Uh, Snow Pilot is our winter seasonal. And uh, that will be back on store shelves. Let's see. Um, just get the right month here. Um, so November 1. So probably end of October, beginning of November, you'll see that back on store shelves. It'll go right up until probably the end of March. So through the winter, it's a great beer. That's good to hear. I know uh, for me, I had one of my coworkers, you know, drive all the way up to Stevens Point to get me one right away because they don't really last very long, and uh, it's such a great beer. I, I, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, we we, uh, we go through quite a bit, and I just remember even kind of running short of it, and it gets sold out in the market towards the end of winter, you know, beginning of spring, and we're we're out, so which is a good problem to have. Yeah, definitely. And Julie, before I let you go, um, I have a few questions to ask you to find out how scony you are. <laughs> sure, sounds good. All right, the uh, first question I have, have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Oh, for sure. I've <laughs> grown up on them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, a common answer, especially for anyone, even in the Stevens Point area. You guys got quite a few uh, creameries up there, so. Yeah, we do, yep. We've got um, at least two or three that I know of, you know, is not too far from here, so for sure. Julie, have you ever tailgated at a Brewers, Badgers, or... Packers event? Uh, Brewers and Packers haven't been able to go to a Badger game. Wanted to go um, soon, but yeah, we um, just, you know, of course, Brewers and of course a, a Packer game. So you're one short of the trifecta. <laughs> yes, I still need to do that. My husband went to a Badger game, had a lot of fun um, sitting in the student section, but no, I have not, I have yet to do that, but I, I would like to. It's on the bucket list. Have you ever hit a deer? Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, on my way of taking my uh, then 12-year-old to a football game at the beginning of November. We were driving to Fond du Lac and uh, hit a deer right on Highway 10. Yeah, Highway, yeah, highway 10, um, right by Waiwiga, over, over in that direction. So, yep. For happens sure. to all of us. I I know I was lucky enough where I didn't hit it head out where it damaged the car too much, but I did end up nipping the back end of one, and it was still not fun to deal with insurance companies. <laughs> yeah, mine was a, it was a very big buck, which was bad for whoever hunted in that area. But it was it was a very big buck deer, and it completely totaled my car. So Aww. at least we didn't get hurt. Oh, but it was it was um it was completely damaged. Have you so being in Stevens Point? Have you ever seen a brown bear or a, I mean a black bear? No, uh, we do own some hunting land, and there's evidence that they're out there, uh, but we have not seen one yet. That's good. I was just talking to um, Thirsty Peg, and and uh, they were telling me because I saw one standing on the road about Hurley, and I I honestly thought it was a Sasquatch because it was standing on its hind legs, and uh, just really freaked me out. <laughs> it must have been pretty big. Yeah, we we have not. I I would freak out if I ever did yeah. see one. I, they're pretty scared because when we're over there, we don't see them, but we know they're there. All right. Have you ever had an old-fashioned, how do you like yours? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I like them from a supper club, and I, I don't, I'm not, my specialty isn't mixing drinks. Obviously, I've worked at a brewery for 25 yeah. years. So I'm really not a mixed drink, you know, mixed, however you would say it. A mixer, a drinker, but um, if we ever go to a supper club, that's the drink to get. Oh, for sure. You get, you got it. I mean, if you're going there, that's the one thing you have to get. Yep. Uh, Sky Club here in Stevens Point is a great example. They get a great tasting, uh, old-fashioned. So that answers it. Um, you've been to a supper club. Um, do you have a favorite or favorites? You know, there's... Um, Quite a few in this area, and 
and they all are pretty good retailers of ours. So I probably won't pick one or the other, but I, I guess I'd still stick with Sky Club. Um, Michelle's is another one here in Stevens Point. Um, all very good. I've definitely heard of Michelle's. I've yet to go there, but it's definitely the one on our list. We have a map showing all the supper clubs, and every time we go, we try to put a pin in one, you know, but there's just so many of them. It's, it's hard to hit them all. Right, right. All right, have you ever had a beer brat, and uh, what beer do you recommend people use? Oh, uh, it's got to be Point Amber, and you can talk to a number of people, and they'll tell you Point Amber is the beer to have for beer brats. And, uh, um, of course, I think we just had them this weekend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. And then uh, for the Bloody Mary, what um, do you use a mix or do you make it yourself? And uh, what other items do you include in yours? You know, I'm not a Bloody Mary person. Uh, never really have been. Uh, my husband likes them, but I just, um, they smell good. And I've seen a number of different versions, of, like at Brewer Games, and I see a lot of people liking them, but it was never something for me. I have two more questions for you. Julie, have you ever milked a cow? No. Uh, my niece, though, it does this um, as she's doing this as a part-time job is up in Phillips. So, but no, I have not, I have not done that. <laughs> All right. And the last question I have for you, besides Point Brewery, is there a brewery tour or winery tour that you recommend people go and check out? Hmm. Well, uh, Lakefront down in Milwaukee uh, definitely is a good idea. Um, great brewery, great people. Um, trying to think of what else I've been um Dork County we were up there um touring and doing some different wine tastings that's always a, a good idea to go up there um especially in the fall and hopefully after all this stuff is done and people go and venture back up there and, and take tours and stuff but um I don't know I guess that's that's all I can think of right now yeah, no, I've been on the Point Tour one time, and it was when I was a little younger, so it was a little different, but I know I, I always recommend going to check it out, especially I want to now that you have all the new beers out. It's it's just one on my list. Oh, for sure, and what's nice is that you can really see everything up close, our tour, um, you know, when once we start giving tours again, but you do literally go right up to the brew kettle. You can, you know, you walk through our cellars, nothing's like behind glass, just really up close and personal view of how we make beer great awesome julie thank you so much for your time um i'm hoping we can make it up there soon once this covid thing's done you know maybe we can even do like a little live thing there and do some history and maybe hear a little bit more about the brewery um we'll bring you some shirts and koozie we'd love to have you yeah that'd be great uh let us know when you're coming by sounds good thank you so much for your time okay thank you you have a great day all right so we have another edition of this day in Wisco history. Unfortunately, on September 6th, 1998, a beloved Wisconsin Dells showman, Tommy Bartlett, passed away. Yeah, and if you haven't been to the Dells, Tommy Bartlett is everywhere. The ski show, you got the robot world. I mean, he is the showman of the Dells. He's yeah, and he's a an original original face that you uh that you would have seen on uh, on all the highway signs and stuff to to showcase his uh his shows. So in this day in in uh, 1998, you know, he he passed away, but uh his spirit and legend still lives on. Everything still uh bears his name. So uh I, we encourage you to definitely check that out. Wisconsin Dells is an amazing area for uh fun and family uh and not just at the water parks themselves. Go out Check the check the downtown area out. Do all of the water shows and the museums that are around there. It's awesome. Yeah, and keep listening because we are going to do an episode at some point on Tommy Bartlett. He is like a Wisconsin staple. Yeah, so. we'll do uh, we'll do a separate episode on Bartlett, but then we'll also do uh, a series called the Dells. So oh, yeah, there's just so uh, many something attractions. That's, it's down it's down the pipeline. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's that it's coming tomorrow, but. Um, definitely something to keep your eye on and, and look forward to we don't want to ever keep uh keep you guys guessing what the next episodes are we'll give you a few uh a few little baits to say hey you know that then we will feature something on chris farley we will feature stuff on uh 
you know, cheese making and other dairy products and beers. And then we will do stuff on the Dells. Yeah. And obviously we got like Oktoberfest and September stuff like polka and we got, you know, weird Wisconsin history around October Halloween time. So we got some really cool stuff in the works. Yeah. You'd you'd be crazy to think that we're not going to do something great for Halloween too. Oh, there's a lot of good stories. We're our hometown has a little legend we're going to tell you about. Exactly. Yeah. If you haven't if you haven't heard about it, you will. So as as promised, we are going to feature our very first giveaway. So listen carefully, listen closely. By the time you're hearing this episode, so this doesn't this doesn't account for somebody who's listening to it weeks after it aired. This is going to be open for one week after it airs. So the date today is September 6th. 2020 we are going to place a specially marked facebook post and on that specially marked facebook post you will have to like comment and share that post in order to be eligible and and enter into this giveaway one lucky winner will receive a $25 quick trip gift card, which is basically gold. Holy smokes. You will get two, count them two, a pair of Wisconsin Drunken History can koozies, which are a hot commodity right now. They're not for sale. They've only been given out as promotional gear. So this will be something that you have a chance to get your hand on, as well as a personal shout out on one of our next shows. So this will air on September 6th, 2020. On September 6th, when I make the post that the episode is out, I will accompany that post with a special Facebook post that says to like, comment, and share. You will do all of that. And then by the following Sunday's show, we will have chosen a winner. Yeah, I'm really excited for this. I mean, the $25 Quick Trip gift card, I mean, that's gold in the state. I mean, what do you got? Glazers. You got beer. You got sandwiches. Like, you got everything. The the Quick Trip is the Wisconsin staple. Yeah. Let's be honest. It is 100% your ability to go with $25 to get a nice, you know, a couple cups of Karuba Gold coffee, a couple dozen of the Glazer donuts. Holy smokes. Get yourself a nice hot ham cheese, hot ham and egg and cheese, which is amazing. Uh, you guys can even pick up yourself some bacon and eggs to make at home. Maybe a, a pack of cheese curds. Oh, you got to go for the curds there, guy. Maybe even a... Uh, a Packers hat. I mean, they sell everything there. Yeah, and we're really excited about this. It's kind of our first little promotional thing, and we're really excited for like all the new yeah. listeners. But yeah, like we said, you got to like, comment, and share. We're gonna put all the names into like a big hat, and we're literally gonna pull them right here in the studio, and we will announce the winner on September thirteenth, which is the following weekend after the episode. Yeah. Is there anything? Is there anything else about September thirteenth? Oh, it's a very great day for one of your hosts. Um, this guy, Russ <laughs> Sari, was born September 13th of 1986. Yeah. A great our, day our in own, Wisconsin history. Our own WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. No, a great day, and uh, I really look forward to it. Like, honestly, like I said, thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate all of you. Everyone who's, like, shared and commented and given us just good feedback. Everyone from around the world. Yeah. It's just it's just amazing. We really appreciate all the love and support and uh, continue to like subscribe, share us to anyone who uh, you believe might have any interest at all in any of the the wonderful things that we talk about, whether that's beer, music, Wisconsin history in general, or just wants to laugh at stupidity because (laughs) (laughs) Lord knows there's plenty of that in this thing. Oh, yeah. All right. That concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, 
Leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art as well as a dang it's for intro and outro music and all of you for listening as always watch watch out for deer deer on the way way home. home